up everyone welcome back to another episode of the hoop chat it's jeremiah here and in this episode i really wanted to talk about um two teams in the eastern conference the miami heat and the philadelphia 76ers just catching up with those teams and how they've looked since the all-star break and you know maybe pick up on some hints on what we're to what we can expect from them going forward obviously there's still a good amount of basketball left to be played but you know i think it's it's not a bad idea to just catch up with them and see how things are going. And um, yeah, but before I get into that, which is going to be this episode and what this episode is really going to be about. But before I get into that, I just wanted to real quickly share my sort of instant reactions to the game that I just watched today. And that was uh, the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Phoenix Suns. You know, I got to watch that live, I, of course. As y'all know, going to see KD, but I mean, it was more than that. That game was an absolute, just what a treat. I mean, obviously you start with KD, the 37 points, the game winner, just the shot making from him. It was so crazy to just watch. It Honestly, it almost felt as if I was watching him for the first time playing basketball. And this was my first time watching him live, but like that first quarter when he started six for six, it felt like a dream. It was like, wait, this guy, like he's that good. I don't know. It was, it's weird. I've watched this guy for almost 10 years, you know, maybe more. And I obviously know how good he is. I mean, you guys know how big of a fan I am, but seeing that live, it's just different. I, like the way he moves on the court, you can just tell sort of all the energy is just shifted towards him when he has the ball in his hands. And even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, it's like at all times, the defender has to know where is Kevin Durant on the floor. He's, he's that kind of guy. And I thought that was really what stood out to me, just seeing that, you know, the attention he just drew. And even like the fans, everyone just sort of gravitating towards him. It's really unique watching these top maybe 15 guys all time which is, you know, in the history of the game, it's not not too often you get a chance to watch these guys. But, um, yeah, it was just special watching him tonight. And then Luca on the other end, who I think has, you know, he can end up being a top 15 guy all time one day. Just seeing him out there and what he was able to do. He had this one play where he, he was at the top of the key. He beats his defender quick little dribble move very you know Luca-like very slow casual but it's just I don't know it's good enough to get by the defender gets by his initial defender is about to lay the ball up sort of he jumps in the air it looks like he's gonna lay the ball I forget who was on the floor for Phoenix but two help defenders come and they sort of try to protect the basket go up for a block and it almost at least from my vantage point it almost looked like Luca froze in midair and took a snapshot of everything that was going on on the court. And then he makes this no-look pass to, I want to say, Reggie Bullock in the right corner. He hits the three. And, I mean, it was crazy. Like, that that play, just watching the way he controls the game, he really plays at his own pace. Like, he's never rushed. He knows exactly what he wants to do, the spot he wants to get to. And he, he gets it done. I know he had the missed shot there at the end, which was, I mean, it was a Bunny too. He bodies the defender. I think it was a Koji. He bodies him. He's right there for the lay and he misses. 
Durant gets the rebound. I mean, that, man, what a game. And then you have Kyrie, slow start in the first half, but he started to get it going in the second half. He was hitting some incredible shots. Devin Booker, another guy that was I was really impressed with. He was, I mean, just the level of shot making in this game was, it was really, it was something else, man. Chris Paul came through late with a couple of shots, some clutch shots. And even the other guys in this game, like it was really just a, just a like offensive overload. Uh for Phoenix, Ish Rainwright hitting these those two big threes. Tory Craig hit a big three that I remember. And then on Dallas's end, not towards I guess the fourth quarter, but the first half, it was really Tim Hardaway and Reggie Bullock just shooting lights out. Christian Wood had a moment in the third quarter where he had like eight straight points, I think. I mean, it was just like, if you love offense, this was definitely the game for you. And I'm a big fan of it, so I enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, this, what a game, man. Kevin Durant, you you rocked my world tonight, bro. You sure did. So, yeah, Phoenix is 3-0 and now in the Kevin Durant era. Dallas, a little bit of a slow start uh, when Kyrie and Lucas started playing together. But they've sort of righted the ship. This was a tough loss, obviously, but... They have looked better in the last few games. They had the good win against Philly, which we'll talk about that, of course, when we uh, discuss Philly. But um, yeah, I hope I hope we get a. Uh, I don't know if it's in the first round, second round, whenever, but I hope we get this series in the playoffs because that was special hoops. All right, switching gears here. Just gonna dive right into the 76ers and the Miami Heat. Um, first, let's start off with their records since the All Star break. For Philadelphia, their first game back after the break was on February 23rd against Memphis. They won that game. Then they went on to lose back-to-back games against the Celtics and the Heat. I'm sure a lot of us remember how that Celtics game ended. Um, They came back, beat the Heat in uh, back-to-back games against them. That's a thing that I guess now is part of the NBA schedules. You'll see teams play each other twice, just back-to-back games. And I guess it's to limit the travel, make it easier on players. I guess that's the thinking behind it. Some people like it. Some people don't. I don't really care. I think actually part of it is kind of cool. It gives you like almost the, especially it's cool when there's two teams that might meet in the playoffs, have this in the schedule. I think that can sort of, you know, give us like a, like a very small look into what it might look like. Uh, these teams having to, you know, prepare for each other the next night or the night after and having to adjust. I think it can kind of maybe, you know, give a playoff feel to it. Um, that first game against Miami definitely had a playoff feel to it. The second game, not so much, and we'll get into that. Um, and then the Sixers, they lost to Dallas after beating Miami, and then they beat Milwaukee this past Saturday. So they are 3-3 three and three since the All-Star break. As for the Miami Heat, they started off their second half of the season with a loss to Milwaukee, and then they lost to Charlotte in back-to-back games, back-to-back nights as well. Um, then they came back to beat Philly in that wild game, lost to Philly, lost to New York, and then they beat Atlanta on Saturday. So they are 2-4 and four since the All-Star break. So both teams sort of maybe not as strong of a start as they'd hoped for. Um, but I think for Philly, some encouraging signs for Miami, not so much, but, um, yeah, let's, let's start first. Let's start with the two games that they played against each other. 
first game was on Monday, and then they had the Tuesday off, and they came back and played each other um, Wednesday. The first game was at Philly, and then the second game was in Miami. So, again, like, does it really affect the travel? And I don't know. That's It is kind of weird, I guess, two teams playing each other like that and the schedule just back-to-back. But um, that first game, uh, which was in Philly, like I said, that one had a playoff feel to it. Um, I thought what stood out to me, first we can start off on Miami's end. They added Zeller, Cody Zeller, to their team. I had to remember which Zeller it was. They added Cody Zeller to the team. And right away, he just sort of a guy who gets it. You throw him in. He fits well with what they're trying to run. He's a very good passer off the roll. So a lot of times they're using him in pick and roll. And he's rolling. And whoever it is, maybe it's Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero, dumps it to him on the roll. And guys are rotating. He's making these really good passes to the corner to these shooters um, for Miami, which that's been a thing with Miami this season. The three-point shooting especially has been, I mean, I think last, they might even be under 40% of it as a team. I, I know it's really bad in comparison to last year. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to y'all with not having those exact numbers, but they have been worse, significantly worse, I think is fair to say, from, from the three this year in comparison to other years. And that's, that, along with guys being in and out, is really why they aren't as high in the standings as maybe we'd expect them to be. Because they, they do have talent, but I don't know. It's, it just hasn't really clicked for them this year. And in that, But that first Philly game that they played, Zeller looked good, as I mentioned. Um, Kevin Love, who they just picked up, he was doing some things out there. The defense, they had stretches of locking in. Uh, they play a lot of zone which I think the thinking behind that is we have not the greatest individual defenders. You know, Tyler Hero is a guy you can pick on. Gabe Vincent, Struess, those are guys that they play a lot that you can pick on. Um, so I think that's why we see a lot of zone with Miami, sort of to hide those guys. And it sucks too because you're having to have to, you're having to have to, that sounds weird, hide those guys on defense. But these are the guys, you have them out there because they're supposed to be shooters and they're not really shooting well this year. So it's, you know, sort of tough, tough deal there for Miami. But they had some good stretches in that first game against the Sixers, locking up, giving Philly some trouble. Um, and then they uh, surprisingly started knocking down threes late. And then Jimmy, Jimmy was just, just phenomenal down the stretch. He had that one layup where it was so fake, but... That's the thing, Jimmy, you think he, he, like, he does this weird shit and it's like incredible, but it feels fake. But he does it enough and he does it in these big moments in these big games we already know about his playoff resume where you, you you know you have to sort of just tip your cap to it and he had that one layup where he went up and he just double triple clutch I don't even know what he did but he Englished it off the glass and it went in after going up and under I think Embiid was down there trying to block the shot it was an incredible shot and it ended up winning the game for them um and then that second game Embiid doesn't play uh, Miami has most of their guys. I think everyone plays besides Kyle Lowry, who's been out for, I mean, I think it's almost been a month now with that guy. But Embiid was out the second game with the foot. Maxi was in the starting lineup with P.J. Tucker. So uh, Philly was already really small. But in this game, what stood out to me was Mr. 4PF himself. Big game James. I mean, he looked like, he looked like Houston James again. I'm not going to lie. He was getting by guys off the dribble. I mean, the explosiveness was not obviously not to the level that it was in Houston, but it's 
I think it's looked the best it looks since maybe those early Brooklyn days with him. Um, he was finding guys. Maxi was looking great. There was so much space on the floor with their, you know, they're playing five out. And Harden was just really back in his Houston element. You can tell he was so comfortable getting his shot off, hunting mismatches. That was the thing that I think Philly has been doing a lot recently is uh, sort of an emphasis on the offensive end for them hunting mismatches. And they did that in the Bucks game too. And we'll talk about that. But in this Sixers game, whenever Harden had Kevin Love on him or Zeller or whoever, maybe he was even going at Bam. If he had a smaller guy, Gabe Vincent, he was just attacking, attacking, attacking. They were out and running, which is that's sort of when you see Maxi shine. Um, yeah, I mean, they were playing some zone. So they were, you know, small. So it's hard for to play man and switch everything and play the drop when you haven't be there. But they, they were it was effort. There was a lot of effort on the defensive end, which is really what it comes down to. Mostly on defense is effort. Um, and then the second unit for Philly, I wanted to shout them out real quick. They've been playing great lately. Melton, who he was in the starting lineup with Maxi when Maxi was out. Now that Maxi's back, is looking like Maxi might be the starter again or the closer, whatever. However you want to consider it. I think you can say Melton, DeAnthony Melton is in that second unit, though, is really what I'm trying to say. But him, Shake Milton, Paul Reed, Jalen McDaniels, or maybe it's Jaden. I always get them mixed up. But those guys um, for Philly's bench have been really great. And they had a stretch there in that Miami game where it was honestly a close game to start. High scoring first quarter. The second quarter, though, the bench comes in and they break away. And then the starters come in in the third quarter. And then the bench comes in again in the third quarter. Those same guys I mentioned. Harden had some runs with them, of course. But it was that unit. And defensively, they're really long. I mean, J-Mac and Paul Reed, just long, lengthy guys that can switch and disrupt passing lanes and, you know, just make their presence felt. Melton is probably one of the better perimeter defenders I think we have in this league from a guard position he's I mean, he's he's elite on that end and um and yeah like I said Mr. 4PF himself just just getting whatever he wanted on offense and then Miami's offense on the other end just going into the mud not really getting shots of a lot of there's a lot of 24 second violations um just you know it's 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 really been rough for Miami this year on the offensive end and the Sixers ended up winning that game 119-96. to um, I don't think I said the score for last game, but Miami won that game 101-99. Uh, but the second game was definitely much more encouraging for Philly. And then Philly, they ended off their weekend with the win in Milwaukee, which is really, if you're a Sixers fan, that's that's sort of that's probably the biggest win for you this season. They ended up winning that game 133 to 130. And again, Mr. James Harden, I mean, he had, what, 38? This is just vintage James Harden stat line. 38, 9, and 10. And it's crazy because I'm almost gushing over it right now. I, I think it is kind of cool when you see a guy that just, I don't know. I've had my sort of qualms with Harden, him quitting on the team. I, I get it. I hate all of it too. But it's it's cool when you see a guy that, Used to really have some incredible performances back in his bag. I just like, as a fan of basketball, that's just fun to watch for me when guys get it going. And it's guys that you know are capable of doing it or used to be capable. And they, you know, it's a flash in the pan, maybe, whatever it may be. But seeing that again was cool. That was a lot of words. Um, yeah, he had 38, 9, and 10. And like I said, it was a lot of mismatch hunting. Houston, James Harden, getting the guy in isolation, getting by him in the 
just with that quick little one-two dribble that he has. The first step was it was looking right for him in that game as well. And I don't know, like maybe he was just feeling extra rested and you give it another week and he slows back down and it doesn't look great again. Could be the case, but he's looked good these past two games. Embiid was incredible. Of course, that two-man game those two have with the pick and roll, it's it's so hard to guard because you, there's obviously the threat of Harden just taking it all the way for the layup if you really stay with Embiid. Like he's still capable of that for the most part, even though it hasn't looked as great as it once was. But then you have Embiid now who's added this, I guess over the past two or three years, he's added this little 15, 20-foot jumper, which he hits at a high clip, it seems like. And that combination, is just it's really hard to guard. And then when you have that going, and then you have guys like Maxi playing confident, and P.J. Tucker hitting his threes in the corner, Tobias Harris... I mean, I never know what I'm going to get with him, but he's another guy, I guess, out there that can hit shots. But when you have those two guys, the main guys, Harden and Embiid, just rolling like that on offense, the second unit is playing hard on defense, you can see why there's some hope there for Philly. Of course, with Philly, it's the postseason. And, you know, I thought about it. I even texted Gabe this. Is Philly, is it postseason or or no, I should let me let me uh let me rephrase that. Is it championship or bust for the Sixers? And I mean the East is really good. You don't really expect Philly to make it out of the East when you have Boston and Milwaukee, but Harden getting older, Embiid at the peak of his powers, you know, you have guys on some good deals with Maxi. I don't know, like it it sort of feels like this year and next year is the window for them to win a championship. So, you know, I mean, the pressure's on. It's, it's, I mean, it's on the individuals, too, with Harden, of course. His playoff was in the past. We all know about that. Definitely, you know, even last year, I mean, he was a mess in the playoffs in that series against Miami. Didn't he have that one quote? I forgot what, like, what the question was, but Harden basically said... Uh, I don't know what happened on that play. The ball didn't come back to me. That was just last year. So, you know, eyes will be on him come April. Embiid, as impressive as he's been all regular season for the past two years. The thing with him is like, dude, he's running out of gas. There's this injury that happens late in the playoffs. You know, he hasn't really had a strong run probably since that 2020, no, 2019 when they lost to Kawhi. I think that was like Embiid's last strong playoff run, if I'm not mistaken, where he looked really dominant, but he, the other guy was just better. Um, and Embiid has gotten a lot better since then, so we'll see. We'll see how how it pans out for them in the playoffs. As for the as for Miami, I mean, not too. I don't even want to really talk about them too much. They're just they're the three. They're not shooting as well as they did in previous seasons, which is which I think plays a main reason as to why they're not winning as much games. But on top of that, it's Kyle Lowry. Like I said, he's missed a month. Jimmy isn't sort of the poster boy of health either. Bam has had a really good season. I think he's he's definitely in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. But I don't know. It's just a team that's still figuring themselves out. And if you're really, like, if there's still a lot of unknown in March, I don't think much, to, maybe like Denver and Milwaukee and Boston are probably the three teams that really know themselves. And even those teams definitely always, they still have room for growth. But uh, in Miami's case, when you really don't know what your identity yet is yet, and it's in, and we're at what, March 5th? 
that's that's a bad sign. It's a bad sign come April. So we'll keep an eye on them. Um, Philly, like I said, some encouraging signs coming off this week. Let's see if they can build on that Milwaukee win. They have Indiana next at Indiana at Minnesota, home for Portland, home for Washington. So it's a fairly easy schedule, easy little four games that they can they should win all four games. And then they have at Cleveland. That's going to be a big game. And then Charlotte, Indiana, Chicago, Chicago. So they have some winnable games. Uh you know, coming up here for the next month or so. So we'll see. They, sh- they should be uh, climbing up the standings. Miami, their schedule right now, not as easy. They play Atlanta again. This is going to drop Sunday night. They're going to play Atlanta on Monday. Then back-to-back games against Cleveland again. That The little mini playoff series in the regular season thing. At Orlando. <laughs> like Orlando, they, they compete. They're They're pretty good. Utah, another team that competes. So these aren't, and this is Miami who's, you know, this is a struggling Miami. This isn't the Miami that we're sort of accustomed to seeing in the Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, Bam, Hero, ever, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, they, they're they going to have to tight the ship. And um, yeah, that's all I have for this week. Um, check out the other shows that we have. Me and Gabe should have an episode out later this week on the Richie and Mecco connection feed. So check that out. Uh, might just be us two going at it on that one. Um, so yeah, check out check that out. Of course, leave a leave a comment, a like, subscribe, share with your friends, all that. Check out the other shows we have on Connection Media, the Wrestling Podcast. Um, check out the Instagram. Follow us on that. Follow us on TikTok. If you want to, again, like I always say, if you want to hop on the show, just let us know. And yeah, we will see you guys soon. Go Phoenix.